Oh, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Mad about, mad about you is the podcast you're listening to. <laughs> hey, Russ, what are you going to do with that tossed salad and all those scrambled eggs that you made at the same time? <laughs> I'm making an omelet of tossed salad and scrambled eggs and throwing it away. <laughs> Wait, is that what he says? I'm making an omelet? No. Oh, oh. <laughs> Hey, yeah. Johnny, you seem a bit confused. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. That's very good. <laughs> <laughs> very good. If Mad About You was a final frontier, we're traveling outside of time and space here. So let's break it down now. It's just what we do. It's Mad About, mad about You. Hello, everybody. This is Mad About Mad About You, your weekly Mad About You recap podcast. I am Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. Welcome back. It is good to have you. John, how are you? I'm fine. How's today? <laughs> fine? Yeah. Good. How's your day? Also fine. Put a check in the old fine box. Here's a boring story. Great. I went on a walking tour of old Hollywood yesterday. And oh, it cool. ended at Larry Edmonds Bookshop, which is an old book. Think of it as the drama bookshop of movies and TV. Oh, cool. And they had a Murphy Brown book. Nice. Okay. Which had a photo of Barnett Kelvin. That's the whole story. Hey! <laughs> I'm, I'm too excited for you having seen a photo of Barnett yeah, Kelvin. In, in the wild. I'm like, that's amazing! Yeah, a photo in the wild. Wow. I also that's bought an great. I Love Lucy script. Yeah, I Love Lucy scripts. Did they really? And Double Indemnity shooting scripts. That's like, awesome. Photocopies, obviously. I yeah, didn't yeah, spend yeah. $18,000 yesterday. <laughs> Uh, also, <laughs> photocopy of an I Love Lucy script. I like that. This is the original typed copy off of which all of the other photocopies were made. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. I didn't get to see photos of anybody yesterday. Yeah, you spent the day in the library, right? <laughs> in the stacks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a really fun day yesterday. It was my nephew's fourth birthday party. And so I got to see family and friends and go in a pool for 10 minutes, which was great. And then at the end of the day, I went to my second Mets game of the year with friends from the Magnet Theater. That's fun. It was really fun. It was a fun day. The Mets were losing 5 nothing, and then they came back to win in the bottom of the ninth with a home run, one 6-5. It was great. Oh, beautiful. Really, really fun. Really, Got a little really uh, Mets news uh, coming up later. Do you now? Oh, indeed. Oh, I'm excited. There's nothing like 1993, 94 Mets news. I bet. Oh, gosh. This is going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, happy season two. Happy season two, everybody. This is great. I can't believe... We, uh, you know, it's weird to pay this much attention to a television show. Yes, in general. Yes, and uh, I have to say, I don't know what... There was something in the air about this episode where it really felt like some time had passed. It kind of did, like... And there was a comfort to it. Things felt different, things it. looked different. Yeah. It, was good. It, happens, it happens often. First seasons of shows feel very by the books, is the wrong word, but where it's just like, okay, here's the story that we're trying to tell, and we're, we might get picked up, we might not get picked up. Mm -hmm. And then 
a level of comfort kicks in and they're just like, all right, back for season two. We figured it out. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. It feels they they don't have a, a, it's not, I wouldn't say cocky, but it's comfortable. Yes. Com- yes, I, mean? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have to establish. Well, I'll get into it a little bit later, but they don't have to establish any new characters or anything. We know these people. We know the way they behave. We know the way they interact. And so they don't have to set anything up. So then they could just play in the world. Yeah. 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 I mean, we've seen 11 hours of them. Yes. Yeah. That's 11. Oh, my gosh. We get it. That's a lot. of Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This episode, season two, episode one, feels weird to say. A.K.A. episode 23. Episode 23. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I'm only keeping track so that we can do anniversaries. No, you're right. We should. We need to. The episode was called Murray's Tale. Tale is spelled T-A-L-E. Indeed. But it could also be... T-A-I-L, because dogs have tails. You understand. Yeah, yeah, it's very fun. <laughs> yeah, hi- hypothetical from... other spellings. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, this, it's not spelled T-A-Y-L, because it's not... <laughs> because it's not a surname. Not a... Yeah, nor is it a mythical beast. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite musician is a guy named Chris Thiele, and Thiele is spelled T-H-I-L-E. And before I had ever heard his name said by anybody, I would pronounce it tile like a kitchen tile and then i would hear other people say thile with a voiced th and i'd be very pompous and i'd be like oh it's not thile it's tile come on don't you know this person don't you know anything and then i heard him say and he's like hi i'm chris Thiele," and i was like oh no Whoa. Everyone's wrong. I'm like, I've been very pompous and arrogant about being just as wrong as the other people. So I learned a lesson, I guess. Uh, Anyway, this episode is called Murray's Chris Thiele. And uh, (laughs) it premiered, yeah, September 16th, 1993. Thursday. 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 We made it to must-see TV. Yeah, no more Saturdays. It was that good. You know what? You're not wrong. That's a big jump. That's a huge jump. For them to be buried up against Lethal Weapon. Right. And then to say, no, you're going to be on The Biggest Night of Comedy. Yeah, we're going to take you off of empty nest duty. (laughs) Thanks for lowering the median age. Yeah, put you with all the other, like, metropolitan comedies. Yeah, we'll put you on with the other three shows that are exactly like you instead. (laughs) Yeah, you're part of the club now, baby. You almost said booby. You almost made it your a Jewish grandmother. Yep. <laughs> you're part of the club, booby. <laughs> what did TV Guide have to say? TV Guide did a great, a bang-up job this week. Tell us, Shakespeare. Uh, visually, there's too much going on. <laughs> now you're criticizing the look of these three. There's three hyphens when all you really need is a space. <laughs> To illustrate my okay. point, I will include the punctuation. Lisa, Great. oh, Wa- you're gonna, you'll Victor Borga it for us. Great, go ahead. <laughs> I am infinity years old. <laughs> oh my god, that makes the Jackie Mason references look like Chris Rock. It, it does. <laughs> but that being said, if you wanted to put in Victor Borga's punctuation bit right here, I would not object to it. I'll teach you how to use the system. It's very simple. A period sounds like this. That was a bad one. That was a much better one. A dash. An exclamation point is a vertical dash with a period underneath. See? The comma. Quotation are two commas. 
Or if you happen to be left-handed. <laughs> Question mark is a little difficult. <laughs> Finally, the colon, the two little dots, you can put them over each other, or you can put them under each other, or you can put them wherever you want to put them. <laughs> That's it. I have a short story right here in the beginning of the book. Coming up. Page nine. Oh. Page six. In the open window there suddenly came light. Beautiful Eleanor sat alone dreaming of but one thing. Two years have passed since she met Sir Henry. Great. <laughs> As the audience probably knows now, I haven't heard it because I have to put it in after. So there's no reaction for me. It's great. You're going to love it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll find out next week. <laughs> so Lisa takes Murray for a walk hyphen, 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 and returns with a different dog. Inexcusable. Just do for a walk and returns with a different dog. Yes. But other than that, perfect. So they nailed the words, which There's is huge. Like, I've seen hyphen, hyphen before. A couple of dashes next to each other. And that's its own sort of wrong. But that's what you use when you're like, oh, I want to have one long dash. But we don't have well, yeah, the long also- dash key. Well, there is an M dash and an N dash. Yes, there are M dashes and N dashes. And print. It's like, oh, right. But there's also commas and spaces. Yes, it's true. And the word and. and Yeah. To connect the thoughts. There's there's all of these (laughs) options. I'll tell you what you didn't list just now is a a super M dash. That's not on the table. (laughs) I feel like one is back. The first guy's back somehow. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But someone, out. someone made him insecure, and now he's, like, trying to find some negotiation between what he does and what the people seem to maybe want. Yeah, Robbie 3-Dash has the job now. That's what they call him around the office. That's his name. Okay, I don't like that name. <laughs> you don't like that name? <laughs> no, not after one. No, no, no. No? He Could didn't this be a yet? pattern first? <laughs> sure. <laughs> You're way too quick We're, to assign a nickname to this guy. <laughs> Why don't we just call him Robbie Murray for a walk? Because <laughs> that's what he wrote. <laughs> Look, man, that's not a crime against uh, humanity as far as print goes. Three dashes. I'm so mad now. <laughs> well, tell us what else was on TV. Take your mind off it. Well, I learned in my research one thing that was on TV that night, and we mentioned it a little bit earlier, kind of obliquely, but we're not going to talk too much about it right now. It was the premiere of Frasier. <laughs> First episode of Frasier was on that night, which I only learned as I researched another pilot, which was on that night. But yes, I thought that we had to at least mention, hey, Frasier came out tonight, 930, and it went on to be wildly, wildly successful. Yeah. Mad About You was on at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock was Mad About You. 8.30 was Wings. Because mm, 8 a trash slot. A, yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> or no, Seinfeld 8.30 is a trash at, slot. Yes. Seinfeld was at 9, and then Frasier was at 9.30. Oh, what a night. What a night. What was on at 10? Funny you should ask. Because I know ER I, was until 94. No, it wasn't. It wasn't ER. 
It was something I think they called it Super Comedy Night. Oh, that's no. all the T- that's all that the TV guide thing. I can't remember the website's name right now. TV, TV Django, Django or whatever Tango. Yeah, yeah. That's all the TV Tango.com said was Super Comedy Night, and I was like, "What was that?" And when I looked it up, I looked up NBC quote Super Comedy Night, and the only thing that came back was this night's entrance for tv tango they'd never used this phrase before or again it was just like it was one google hit and it was for september 16th 1993 it's the only instance of that on the mystery yeah so i have no idea what was on they might have it at the paley (laughs) maybe this goes on the list (laughs) sweepstakes if you can find out what was on at 10 o'clock on nbc yeah, if you could oh, go to man, the Paley gonna... Center, somehow bootleg the tape and send it to us. If... How about this? If we'll give you, you a shout out. out. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> if you can find out what was on at 10 p.m. on this night on NBC, we will send the name of that show and your name as the uh, setup and punchline of a joke <laughs> to, to the Popsicle Company. Yeah, we're testing how strict their editorial guidelines are over there. (laughs) I just want to confuse them. What was on and what I did watch at 8.30 on Fox, the premiere pilot episode of The Sinbad Show. Hey! Yeah, which was a cute little, fine little show on Fox. Well, that doesn't sound condescending at all. No, it was... Yeah, I like your I like your little show. I yeah. like your little uh, your little sitcom. Very nice. <laughs> no, it was it was fun. It wasn't great by any stretch. You know, it's very family based. Yes, Sinbad, I remember that. Yeah, Sinbad plays a game designer. He's a single goofball guy, like a board game a designer, a, a video game designer, like Jeff and Daniels he... in 101 Dalmatians. I don't know what. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, that's your. You can't you can't wrap your head around what a video game designer is. You have to think of Jeff Daniels and 101 Dalmatians. Well, it's just it's so funny that there was a period where they were like, oh, you know what the cool job is now? I mean, look, that's exactly what it is. Because in rom-coms, it's like always like writers or journalists. You know what I mean? Yes. And in TV shows, there was a brief period where it was like, oh, you know, the coolest people design video games. (laughs) Yeah, that is very true. That is totally what happened here. For the record. Not a cool job at all. Not a cool job. <laughs> Would make you a shut-in nerd. Right, yeah. You should be, oh, I'm a video game designer. You know, a code monkey. Yeah, right. Just like... <laughs> I live in a dark room with Red Bull. <laughs> it's a great life. But yeah, he's a, he's a big goofball. And he also volunteers once a week at a foster home. And yeah, there's a young brother and his little sister who work there or who who are uh, a couple of kids who are in the foster home. Okay, a little different. Yes. And (laughs) sorry. And the little boy is played by Ray J. I know that name. Oh, no. Uh Oh, (laughs) I wish we had video. Oh, no. John just now realizing where he knows Ray J from. He made it with Kim K on video and released it. Yeah, he made it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did you say made it or mated? Made either way, it. yes. But one of them is particularly gross. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh Ray J of Kim Kardashian home video fame is oh, the little boy my in this show. Gosh. So that's fun. That doesn't come up in the episode. Right, right. Yeah, there's it's- not a moment where like in the OJ show on FX. <laughs> no, but I love that moment. Where so Sinbad much. talks to Ray J the way uh, Dave Swimmer talks to the Kardashian girls. 
Oh my gosh, no, no. Yeah, the well, you know what? This is a very moralistic show. So who knows what's going to happen in the remaining 12 episodes, but it's entirely possible that there will be at the end of an episode, like a violin swell. Never make a sex scene. Yeah, Sinbad will just <laughs> sit him down and be like, look, hey, here's the thing. There are cameras out there. And yeah. There's sex out there. Don't videotape yourself having sex. <laughs> Unless you're sure that it's going to make you, you and the other person wildly famous, <laughs> just so popular, inexplicably so. In that case, you do what you got to do. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> or whatever. So, yeah. So also in the cast is uh, his roommate is played by T.K. Carter. Does that name ring a bell? Yeah. Probably. It does? Yeah, but I don't know from what. Well, I'm going to say where I know him from, and that's not where you know him from. He was... On the show Good Morning Miss Bliss, which okay. starred Haley Mills, and that was the precursor. Yeah, to Save by the Bell. Everyone knows that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's another teacher from that. Oh, okay. It was also really weird because I was just like, as I was watching the Sinbad show, I was just like, where do I know him from? I was like, I feel like he was on Save by the Bell. And then I was just like, yeah, but I was like, but he wasn't at the Max. He didn't work at the Max. Right. Where could he possibly for? Oh, it was before the Max. He was a teacher at Bayside. He was not a teacher at Bayside. Oh. He was a teacher at Kennedy Middle School. Oh, good morning, Miss Bliss. In Indiana. Oh, really? Yeah, before they moved. The conceit is that Zach Morris and Screech and Lisa Turtle all moved from Indiana to Bayside High in California and then turned it into Saved by the Bell. That's what you have to buy into. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty neat. You so, want yeah, he was from that. <laughs> you want to hear one other weird thing he was in? Please. He was in an episode of The Waltons where he played a was character really? named Jody Foster. <laughs> John, that's not a character's name. He played Jody Foster in that. <laughs> I mean, it was very was bizarre. In 1978, so she wasn't famous yet. Sure she was. What a cl- huh? She was very famous, I think. 78? No. Well, when was Taxi Oh, when driving? was, uh, oh, let's see. When was, uh, who was it, Hinkley? Well, Hinkley must have that been was in the, the 80s. 80s. But was that, uh... When was Taxi Driver? Is that what you said? Yeah. How long had Hinkley been watching the Taxi Driver <laughs> DVD? <laughs> you mean Betamax? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when was Taxi Driver? You've got stuff up. 76. But I don't know if she was a household name, Russ. And I don't know if, okay. if there was a huge crossover between people that watch the Waltons and people that watch Taxi Driver. He could definitely be playing Jodie Foster, Jodie Foster. So, yeah, I absolutely want to see him playing Jodie Foster. I mean, don't we all? Oh, uh, TK. <laughs> TK Carter is Nell. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> I feel sensitive about that. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Also, but here's the best here's the best casting from this show. Playing the landlady. Think of a landlady. Think of the stereotype of a landlady. Think of who you expect to see as a landlady. Okay. Playing the landlady on the Sinbad show is Salma Hayek. <laughs> wow. She comes on on screen and she is wearing a crop top and the first words out of her mouth are you owe last month's rent. And oh, she's playing a sexy landlady. <laughs> a, a clear, I mean, look, clearly. As if she as if she could landlady any other way. Or as if they'd have her landlady any other way. Right. Okay, so that's funny. That's a twist on the uh, trope. But yeah, so the premise of this episode, you know, it, it's a pilot. And so they lay out all the things where they're just like, man, you are just 
carefree, and you've got no responsibilities at all. And when are you going to take life seriously? I don't know why I would. And then he goes to his one day a week at watching these kids in the foster home. And the little girl has found a foster family to take her in, but they don't want the boy, and he doesn't want the brother and sister to be split up. Wow. Yeah. And uh, it was, I mean, it's emotionally convincing because, you know, he then takes them home for the weekend to see if he can do it and to oh and then he becomes their foster parents he sure does yeah but it yes he also he also goes in though and he's just like i don't want you to split them up you can't split them up i'll be there you know they can live with me and the head of the foster agency is just like it's not that easy it doesn't work that way and at the end of the day he kind of is just like he convinces her but he shouldn't be able to convince her fair because of laws yes because of laws and processes Mm -hmm. and compliance but yeah he goes in and, you know, on Tuesday, he's just like, I want them to stay with me. And she's like, it can't happen. It's not that easy. And then on Wednesday, he goes in. And he's like, I want them to stay with me. Except that time he's wearing a suit and he's got his resume in a folder. Oh, fair. And, he, and he's just. <laughs> so between that and him, go, like, he gives some weird backward stuff where he's just like, right now, these kids have nothing. All they have in the world is the fact that they have each other, their brother and sister. That's all they have in the world. So. If you don't let them stay with me, that means you think that I'm worse than nothing. So do you think I'm worse than nothing? And it's just like, that's not what's happening. That's not bad. You're convinced? Yeah, what the hell? (laughs) Well, well, great news for you then, because the kids get to stay with them. And a show is born. Yes, and it lasts for one half of one season. And actually, I learned that, you know, this show was canceled and I believe Rock may have been canceled. Maybe not. Rock might not have been one of the canceled ones that year. But there were a number of shows that were canceled starring African-American casts. And Jesse Jackson, I believe, sued Fox. He brought up potential racism in the fact that all of these black shows were getting canceled. Wow. Yeah. So as ever, fighting the good fight, Jesse Jackson. Mm-hmm. So... Whether that was the case or not, I cannot say, because like I said, I thought that the pilot for this show was okay. Sinbad is not an actor. Sinbad is a stand-up comedian. Yeah, that would never work on television. Uh, <laughs> I bet you can't name one instance. <laughs> but uh, his style of stand-up, I think, didn't lend itself well to him being a uh, leading man sitcom actor. I can't think of that ever working on TV. You know what? Russ, I didn't know you were such an apologist for the uh, white lobby. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. John, I know where my bread is buttered, okay? (laughs) So that is what uh, was on television. Please do tell us Wait, what Seinfeld was on? I think it was the mango. Uh, A really good one. I mean, Russ, can I... Give me the big pieces. Give me the big pieces. (laughs) Wow. That was terrifying because <laughs> you do a very good Jason Alexander. Pretty good. Let me just put this out there. Don't mention Seinfeld airing unless you're ready to tell me exactly which one it was. <laughs> That's fair. I'll keep that in mind. Thank you. I apologize. Not only do I apologize for the white lobby, I apologize for Seinfeld and those who... Uh, I'm not sure how this sentence ends, John. Yeah, I think we all know I, what I, you, I, you mean. We, I it's apologize covered. for me. You apologize I, for this now. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just blanket apologize, everybody. <laughs> Russ is sorry, but don't let him off the hook that easily. <laughs> 
What happened in the world, please? Well, in 1993, the company, the I guess videotape company, JVC, well, it's an electronics company, mm-hmm. filmed some HD video. Oh, as, what does that stand for? As a <laughs> high definition. Ooh, okay. Video that Interesting. shot as a demo for the Japanese high def market. So on YouTube, there mm-hmm. is high def footage of New York City. Really? In 1993. And it wow. is pretty trippy. That's so weird. Because it looks like now, except everyone's dressed differently. I believe it. But also not that differently. Right. Because everyone in New York dresses their own way, you know? Sure, sure, and, sure. And a lot of the city looks exactly the same. Uh, St. Mark's Place looks exactly the same. So like in 1993 there were some things that were the same and other things that were like different no that's not what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) anyway we'll share it somehow because it is cool very interesting yeah i'm interested it's very fun it's five minutes long so a lot shorter than anything russ has ever asked you to watch i mean who's got that sort of time (laughs) oh there's also a squirrel in central park from 1993 eating a nut so great that's one of the most uh, jarring images in the video because <laughs> you know that's a 93 nut. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now. Well, that's fun. This is exciting. The disclaimer is I didn't have a bunch of time to do the news this week, <laughs> but okay. thankfully one journalist, Kyle Smith, did it for me. Dateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. July 21, 2013, New York Post. Hey, okay. An opinion column called NYC July 1993. Great. It's been a busy month for local news here in the big bad city. Flipping through a few copies of this month's post, we find, here we go again. Oh, oh, this is, okay, sorry. (laughs) This confused me the first time I read it. The intro, this article, okay, I'm all confused. Okay, it's been a long day, right? Okay, forget the whole dateline. (laughs) No dateline. This article was written in 2013 about the summer of 1993. (laughs) No, no, no. It's it's about the summer of 1993, though, okay? And it's written by a guy. He wrote it in 2013 because he said, 20 years ago, my first July as a journalist in New York City at the Associated Press, I remember things being a little different. So I pulled some copies of the Post from that month to remind me. Okay, great. So July 1993 was a month of unbelievable levels of random mayhem. Headlines included Desperados shoot up bus about teens who robbed 22 passengers in Queens. Quote, cab ride to hell about some Australian tourists who saw their cab driver slain. And quote, savage slaying shocks Tribeca about a building worker who was killed execution style. Holy cow. A Staten Island man was surrounded by a gang of 20 to 30 youths and beaten to death. Two Washington Heights firefighters responding to a fake call about a gas leak were instead firebombed. A mother of eight was killed in a crossfire on Brooklyn Street while pushing a three-year-old in a stroller and carrying an infant. A 21-year-old Hunter College student was shot to death on a five train for his Nike Air sneakers. In Queens, a four-year-old girl was hit by a stray bullet while she slept, and on the Upper West Side, a group of men lit, lit an M80 and put it in the face of a homeless man as he slept on the sidewalk. The same neighborhood cringed at the news that Larry the wild man Hogue, a deranged homeless person who roamed up a Broadway hurling trash cans and once pushed a toddler into traffic, was being let out of a mental hospital. Two plainclothes cops were mugged at 2 p.m. in the Brooklyn Museum subway stop. Just to name John, a few. If these things happened in the week or on the day, you'd read them and you'd be like, oh, I can't read this. This wouldn't make it in the podcast. This is too grisly. This is that's, <laughs> this is that's correct. This is 
This is bloody. But but then you're just like, oh, 20 headlines in one shot? Yes. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll say all these. Absolutely. Well, because we're glossing over the details. <laughs> Great. But the point is, it was an awful summer. It sure was. Holy shit. He smokes. goes on to say, if you think the Travis Bickle era, taxi driver, for those of you who there don't know. There we go. Or uh, for those of you who are thinking of the Travis Bickle character from the Waltons. <laughs> <laughs> Important uh, distinction. Yeah, from the horse and buggy uh <laughs> oh my driver <gosh>. episode. <laughs> Livery uh-huh. driver. <laughs> if you thought that was the high point for the Gotham Mayhem industry, you're wrong. The fourth worst year for murders in New York City was 1993 with 1,960. And the three worst years that beat that were the previous three years. So 1990, so- 91, 92, and 93 were the four worst years of murders in New York City history. That is, I mean, that is This is, is not... Mayor Dinkins. This is why he got voted out. You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> we're a few months away from determining whether or not that really happened. Yeah. But... <laughs> a little historical context explains why Giuliani becomes mayor and cracks down so hard on crime. Holy cow. I remember going to uh, Universal Studios. I can't remember the year, but I, it was around this time, going down there for the first time. And just waiting on lines for a ride. It may have been King Kong. And so it like it is designed to look like, you know, the line looks like New York and there's graffiti everywhere. Wait, and what are you talking local... about? I went down to Universal Studios in, in Florida. Florida. Right. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. This is fake New York. So, right. Gotcha. Yes. Fake New York waiting on the lines. And we were talking about how just we're just like, this isn't what New York is like. And people were like, you're from New York? We're like, yes. They're like, Do you have a gun? And <laughs> I'm... I'm 10 or 11, whatever it was. And we were like, no, we don't have that's that, not everybody from New York has guns. And then I hear this and I'm just like, we should have had a gun. Absolutely. <laughs> Holy cow. It wasn't so long ago that things were completely crazy. When guests at cocktail no. parties chat about strategies for dealing with muggers. Oh, yeah. They, they they cite the mugger money that we referred to that the nuns carried. Remember uh, several episodes right. ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, listen to this, though. This, tell me if you remember this, Russ. Okay. Your little monster hero team. In 1993, Mets News, center fielder, you know the name, Russ? Vince Coleman. Boom. Guess what he did? (laughs) Oh, he threw a firecracker at a kid. There you go. (laughs) Injuring three. First off, at a group of fans, yeah, injuring yeah. three, including a one-year-old girl, yeah, he and fellow players laughed as they walked yeah. away. Yeah, this... that Vince Coleman's a real piece of shit. Yeah. Oh man, he threw Look, a he was mostly he was mostly a cardinal. Okay. Uh huh. For, for most of his career, he was a cardinal. Sure. I'm not sure how many people he maimed. Yeah, I think the wires based he was on a him, cardinal. Right? Yeah. Oh God, he's the worst. Like you know about Daryl Strawberry, not a super duper great guy. Doc Gooden, lots of demons, lots of issues. Brett Saberhagen, who we may learn about him later because I'm pretty sure it was the same season. He was a pitcher for the Mets, and uh, he sprayed bleach at a reporter. But none of them threw a firecracker at a kid. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's he's the worst. He is the worst. Yeah, hell of a ball team you got there, pal. Oh, I love him so much. <laughs> oh, they won. They won last night. They won last night, John. And uh, Jose Reyes, who is a player who was recently, last year he was suspended for a domestic violence issue, and he used to be a Met, and then, yeah, he was a Met years ago. The Mets let him go. Last year there was a domestic violence issue. They uh, His old team cut him. 
And the Mets were like, well, we don't like this, but we also need a third baseman. So they signed him on the cheap, and he's still on the team. And last night, he hit two triples, and sports is a complicated world. (laughs) It's a weird thing to root for a dude who you're just like, you're the worst. Oh, this is bad. That's American sports. Sure seems to be. (laughs) But look, I mean, Jose Reyes has done terrible things. He didn't throw a firecracker at a kid. True. But he um, had domestic abuse. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. You want uh, to get into the gray area? I'm there, not going to be that. Ranking no, <laughs> no, I'm not going to be that flippant or that anything. Is this, this is the not section of the guy. podcast where Russ has thrown has two sins thrown at him and figures out which one's worse? <laughs> oh God! Oh, Sounds like a win-win for like, everyone. Do not like. Oh. <laughs> Bad stuff. I was going to say, how did I turn into the villain of this podcast? But I think it's because I'm a bad person and also the villain of this podcast. I'm Robert Stone. (laughs) I watched that movie last night on Netflix. That's why it's fresh in my head. I haven't seen it. I just acknowledge that uh, you're probably right. (laughs) Well, that's all the news that's fit to print this week. Uh, I might uh, bring in more articles if I find any from the summer. Because, you know, it was a long time. Yeah, for sure. But uh, none of the ones I read the headlines. Or frankly... You may bring in some things from the summer. You may bring in some things from 2013 again. That's true. All bets are off. All bets are off. I just read the news now. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, back in 1993, President Trump said some crazy things on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the show. The show. Mad About You is the show. You want to skip directed and written by again? Why in the world would we do that? I don't know. You've made a habit out of it, but I think this week is when we definitely don't want to skip. I think you're right. Go ahead. Hold on, everybody. The Burger King's out this week. Bye, Burger King. But guess who we got in? Mr. Tommy Schlamy. Tommy Schlamy. Of the West Wing. Very, very neat. The walk and talk king himself. And I'll tell you. The walkie-talkie. The walkie Tommy Schlamy. The walkie-talkie Tommy Schlamy. <laughs> this episode looked different. Lots of different stuff happening That's than we true. are accustomed to. But I, I attributed part of that to the writing. The writing written by? Billy Grunfest. It's a Grunfest. It's app. a Grunfest. For those of you who need a, your memory jogged, you wrote Neighbors from Hell. We all remember mm-hmm. that farce. And uh, I'm just so happy for you. We all remember that debacle. <laughs> Oh, man, that that trash pile. No, no, not the episode. I mean, the, the no, I know <laughs> the situation. I know what you mean. I mean, it's hard. To, you know, how does For a couple sure. navigate happiness and sorrow? Anyway, anyway, <laughs> so cold open Murray's on the couch and he won't get up. They try to coax him off. OK, <laughs> now, come on, Maru, you, you've had the TV all day. So why don't you give us a turn? That's it. Reason with him. He can do this. It's not that hard. He really can do this. Come on, just get off the couch. Get off the couch. Seriously, no kidding around. Get off the couch. Want to go to a movie instead? They give up. I love them saying, we'll go to the movie. Yeah. Which, to be honest, though, on some level, I'm sure Paul is always dying to go to the movies. Sure. That's true. And now he has an excuse. He almost might have conspired with Murray. (laughs) You think they're in cahoots? Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. It could be. Murray looks so, like, depressed. He kind of. This is a big Murray episode. Yeah, Murray does and some it, heavy lifting. Maui, we should say. Yes, Maui, you are right. And as Jen pointed out, Maui is one heck of an actor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get a lot, a lot of, of range. Uh, yeah, many different shades from Maui yeah. in this episode. We go to the credits and change this year from the credits. Mr. Richard Kind is no longer in the opening. Oh, and that 
and, breaks my heart. And John Pankow is in the opening credits. Oh, so yes. this is a bummer. The image that you get on the DVD for season one. For season one, it was just Paul and Jamie on the main menu screen. For season two, it is Paul and Jamie. It is... Ira, it's Lisa, and it's Fran, and there's no Mark, and that's a bummer. I'm not comfortable with this. Me neither. I don't remember how I, long it lasts, but uh, I'm going to try not either. to look ahead so that we can be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable. I'm unhappy. But also part, yeah, I am I know that Spin City happens somewhere, and in my head, it's like, is that why he's not there? Is he it, it doing Spin City? Is this it? Are we done? But it couldn't be. It's too early for Spin it's City. It's too early for that, but I forgot about yeah. that, and we're going to lose him again, aren't we? I think so. At that I point, I think maybe we start doing a Spin City podcast. One hundred percent. This is this is really the Richard Kind podcast. Surprise! <laughs> yeah, they're like, hey, uh, guys, we know. Surprise! <laughs> you had no idea. <laughs> okay, Bing Bong. He's your favorite and Inside Out, right? One hundred percent. He was great. Broke your heart. <laughs> So we go to scene one. We're in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and Chef Paul is cooking. He is he is he has minced something. Yeah, for this what's going on in there? I do not know. I think tomato sauce, maybe. I got the feeling that it was a sauce. Yes. Yes, same. And uh, he's stirring it on the stove, and Jamie comes in, and they do the little classic uh, here. Taste this. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's great. Really? Wow, that's bad. I didn't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot less of something. <laughs> wow, that's bad. Oh, that's bad. I was being nice. A lot less of something is a note I would like to give a couple of the places that I've been recently. Oh, really? Oh, sure. You know, sometimes there can be too much of a flavor. (laughs) Guys, don't worry. We did not lose Richard Kind. He is co-hosting this podcast. I mean, (laughs) oh, I went to Emerald's restaurant, one of his restaurants in New Orleans last year, Uh and had a gnocchetti that was so salty, I thought I could feel my blood pressure go up with every bite. It was burning a hole in my mouth. That sounds painful. Yeah, lay off the salt, Emerald. Bam. Bam. Boom, roasted. Jamie asks about dessert. And and, uh, Paul has, uh, yeah, Paul has hidden his brownie. Yeah. And for good reason, because the second he points out where her brownie is, she starts eating it mm-hmm. immediately. So then the door goes off. Door goes off for a long time. Yeah, it's like constant, like, eh, 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 eh. and mm-hmm. apparently this is a thing Lisa has picked up over the summer hiatus. Right. Yes. And her claim is that the button sticks, but I don't buy it. Neither does Paul. No. Yeah. Paul says it doesn't stick for anybody else. Yeah. So uh, Paul then hides his brownie. Right. Behind the piece. He looks at. Yes, behind the peas in their cupboard. Oh, but right, but yeah, because Jamie on the way out of the kitchen finds the brownie immediately. Right. That he hid, so he has to rehide <laughs> it. And yeah, so she opens the door, it's Lisa, and she's there to walk Murray. Yeah. Hey, is Murray home? Again? I'm just taking him for a walk. Let me, let me tell you something. Murray is quite aware that you're only taking him out to meet guys. <laughs> it's not a secret. Yeah, but I mean, why don't you get him like a big hat and an El Dorado? <laughs> oh, come on. Taking Murray for a walk in order to meet some guys. Yeah. Guess where that's a plot. Where? A little Everywhere. show I like to call Entourage. <laughs> is it really? Absolutely. I feel like this is vaguely trope alerty. Yeah, it is. But it must be true. I never, I don't like dogs enough right. to even that's try. That's so weird that you don't like dogs. Did were you? Did, was there ever an incident with you, with you and a dog or just never? I was chased by a dog it? and then they almost bit my foot. How old were you? Let's dig into this. Fifth John. or sixth grade. Okay. Yeah. Was this a big dog? Yeah. I think it would have, it bit, definitely bit my sock as I was running. 
Oh, wow. So you almost, almost got bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy moly. I don't remember liking dogs before that, but I definitely didn't like them after that. Right. Well, if you didn't like it before that, then this little session is pointless because it just means that you don't like dogs. Yeah, I don't like dogs. Uh. I respect them, though. <laughs> I respect them. I respect life. Yeah, you don't like dogs, but you'll defend their right to exist to the death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First they came for the dogs, and I said something. <laughs> Oh, what a mensch. You never hear that version. Mm-mm. I said something. Never... Nobody listened. Nobody listened. Said... <laughs> what, are you kidding me? You always hear that. That's the prime version. And then by the end, it's like, then I realized, what's the point of saying anything? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Then I stopped saying things. Yeah. I realized uh, the clip I just inserted, <laughs> I think, is that El Dorado joke. <laughs> okay. Which yeah. I didn't get. Can you explain that no, to me? Uh, no, I cannot. Is it, a, it feels like a very specific reference to a movie or TV show or a celebrity. Or an Eldorado car. Well, no, it's de- no. I don't mean a celebrity named Eldorado in a big hat. I mean, I mean, is there a character in a movie or something? I can't recall exactly what the joke is right now. Oh, Paul says, why don't I just get him an Elder to a Murray? Get him an Eldorado in mm. a big hat for her going out I, to meet guys. And I was like, is right, that like a right, midlife right, right. crisis reference? Maybe, but big hats, not really. You know? No, no. I'm not sure. I have no idea what what he's talking about. <laughs> Sweepstakes. What are they talking about? <laughs> Sweepstakes, find the funny. <laughs> so uh, Paul doesn't want to let the dog out. Right. Because he's, you know, he's comfortable on the couch or whatever. So Jamie mm-hmm. sends uh, Lisa to the kitchen so she could work on Paul. Right. Come on. She means well. Yeah, but she doesn't do well. It's fun for Murray. No. It's good for Lisa. No. If she meets somebody, she won't be over here as much. Okay. Thank <laughs> it's fun for Classic. Murray. It's good for Lisa. She won't be over as much. Okay. <laughs> That's just straight set him up, knock him down, funny comedy. And then when Lisa, when Lisa comes back a moment later, she's uh, eating Paul's brownie. <laughs> <laughs> and just the idea that she says, I was looking for peas. Yeah. <laughs> I missed that. That's funny. That's really Listen, funny. these Stemple girls cannot be stopped. <laughs> They're very driven. You know, yeah, it's very true. So we go to the next scene. Uh, oh, well, yeah. So uh, Paul obviously lets the dog go now. It means less Lisa. Oh, and he's like, have him have back in half an hour. Right. That was the only rule I remember. Yes. Have him back in half an hour. Don't get him wet and don't feed him after midnight. Oh, very good. He's uh, actually a uh, gremlin. So. Oh, that was a reference. Yes. Oh, very good. Very good. Good, 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 good. Yeah, gizmo. <laughs> I I didn't think that it was possible for a person to say the word gizmo and have it mean I hate you. But here we are. <laughs> gizmo blender microwave and uh, Fu Manchu. I think. So Lisa brings Murray back two hours late. Yeah, they're sorting laundry. I love. There's a moment where uh, yeah, they're sorting the laundry to do it, and uh, Paul's holding a sheet with stripes on it. He's like, "Is this a white?" Yeah. And she's white, like, sh- it has white, white and blue, stri- white and blue stripes. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, yeah, but in laundry terms. Yeah. And then she doesn't really know either. And I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. I, I says, struggle stop with this. Me. <laughs> I don't even I don't even bother. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Yeah. It's, it's just... the things that can be burning hot and scalding, like scalding hot and freezing cold. And it doesn't matter. And then the things <laughs> that can't. <laughs> Between that and also just dry cleaning, I used to get into a uh, a conversation in the gym at work with a guy who. What do you, Matthew McConaughey year, in a romantic comedy? Basically, yeah. I get, oh, John, I get that all the time. 
But at work, this guy would be like, uh, over the summer, we were allowed to dress down in polo shirts and business casual. But it used to be that during the rest of the year, we had to wear shirt and tie and uh, and a suit, except all it said was shirt and tie. So that's all that I would wear. Other people would wear a jacket and also, you know, or, or a full suit. And so it was never really an issue for me. But this one guy, at least twice a year, would say to me, he'd just be like, oh, now that it's no longer the summer, I just spend all my money and time on dry cleaning suits, you know? And I'm just, I was shocked by this on a number of levels. I was like, first of all, I don't wear a suit to work, so no. Secondly, I can't remember the last time I dry cleaned a suit. I just have dirty suits. That's what people have. <laughs> How often do you do it? Well, you can't remember at all? I've gotten a suit dry cleaned. I, I would not wear them very often. I would say I've gotten my suits dry cleaned less than 10 times. <sighs> but again, I'm not a person who wears them every day. And also, as as expectations wound down for what would be worn, I'd be like, these dress pants will be just fine. And these dress pants do not need to be dry clean. Right. Why? Why? What do you do? You dry clean every time, don't you? No, no, definitely not. But I mean, I, um, after a few, you know. Sure. You could tell usually because it gets a little dirty. Oh, not me, man. <laughs> hey, All my suits are pristine. So Lisa comes back and we find out that she I, let what? I can't believe you held me at gunpoint and made me tell that story, John. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to stop him. <laughs> Uh, Lisa comes back and we find out she left Murray off the leash at one point to flirt with a cute Filipino dude. Yes. Which is the least expected type for her to throw out there, which is pretty cool. Sure. Because there is, as you know, in the media, East and Southeast Asian men are typically slighted. That is true. As men. That is true. Absolutely. Uh, So that stood uh, out. uh, Do you think, I wonder if it was the former lead actor on Hawaii Five O, whose name escapes me right now. Is he just, Filipino? Uh no, I believe he's Korean. Okay, cool, Russ. <laughs> no <laughs> You said East Asian, right? Still no, I did, still I did, I did. geographically I did. correct. Are you <laughs> I'd like to not be a huge ass in at least <laughs> one thing that I talk about. What today. exchange? Uh, I don't know, your favorite Met throw a firecracker to kids, so <laughs> my, my favorite <laughs> Oh man. Or the guy from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, yes. Is that what you mean? Josh the Chan. fact that we can only name two. Yeah. End of list. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. I love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. But I liked anyway. that. I thought it stood out. Yeah, for sure. Murray is super peppy now. Yes. Like, he's really got, he's really got a, a vim and vigor to him. Both of them. Yes. And uh, so Paul goes to do the laundry. Right. And Jamie, you know, tells Lisa to sit down. He hates me. He's okay. Sit. like me fine, but I'm not going to beg. <laughs> Do you see this? I mean, you should have seen this guy. He was so cute. I could barely speak. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> I believe she was talking to me. Lisa. No, as, yeah. as Lisa sits. Murray sits. Murray also sits. Like very properly. Yes. And uh, as Lisa says, not going to beg, Murray puts his paw up to beg. Mm-hmm. And then Lisa says, I'm not sure how long this clip goes, but Lisa the says, speaks, I could barely the, Yeah, speak. you can hear the barking. Yeah. And then Murray does. And then things, they break from that a little bit. And it's very funny because Jamie says, say that again. Yeah. And Murray speaks again. 
And that's not the way that talking to dogs works. No, this, but, uh, this dog is very good at speaking English. Very good. <laughs> so that's really fun. And this is when Jamie, of course, realizes it's not Murray because A, yep. he's very trained and B, right. Murray has a white spot, apparently, and vacant eyes, which we knew. That's so funny. Yeah. So I like that a lot. As they're in the middle of this debacle. So, you know, Murray's missing. So as they're in the middle of this, Paul comes back to get more quarters. And while he's there, he notices how normal for a normal dog Murray's acting and how well trained mm-hmm. he is. But he hasn't put it mm-hmm. together that it's not Murray. Right. He's just sort of surprised. And Lisa's like, oh, I trained him. And he's like, oh, great. Yeah. Lisa takes credit for it. Murray barks. Murray sits. Yeah. Lisa's just like, yep, I did it. <laughs> so uh, Jamie sends Lisa back out to find Murray. Right. And then tries. It seems like she's about to try to break. She's like, Paul, come here mm-hmm. to probably break the news to him. Hey, Murray, that was very impressive. Give me a little hug. Paul, what? come here. What? What? Is there a reason for this trip? Yeah, I just want to say I I really, really I just love you I love you too, honey What's what's the bad news? What? What, What's the bad news? I just said I love you No, no, you you didn't You said I really, really Then you took a little pause And you said I just love you So I know that can't be good Baby, I'm the one who can't be good. I don't know if she was trying to break the news to him as much as just to distract him. Oh, you're right. Distract him from the moment. You're right. That's what it was. Yeah, because maybe I'm the one who can't be good. Kills the audience. It's very funny. And she's very awkward. And it's a very funny bit where she just says, yeah, maybe I'm the one who can't be good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it comes out of nowhere a little pretty great yeah, she's wearing like a sweater and big baggy pants yes she's <laughs> and then she just wants to dance yes with paul buckman's jazz collection yep. which how come that Always was never ready. an album paul buckman's jazz collection yes because <laughs> i wanted it when i was a kid did you really yeah all i wanted was a big stereo with his jazz i'd listen to that i mean there's nothing cooler than a guy in his 30s in listen, greenwich village around, listen to jazz with jazz yeah you're not wrong that's pretty cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> Also, none of it was on the soundtrack for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's mostly, I mean, it's mostly background stuff. And look. Oh, how dare you? I doubt that. Easy listening jazz doesn't doesn't move units. (laughs) I wonder if it would have been expensive to get the tracks, too. Who knows? Well, they did have other songs, right? Uh, More popular pop songs of the day. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But not playing through the background of a scene. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. Oh, I think I know what you're saying. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, I don't. uh, I think Paul Buckman likes jazz and the people who make and package the Mad About You soundtrack uh, do not care. Do not care. Yes, I think you're right. (laughs) Also, oh, but this is the moment I, in my notes at least, point out, or this is the moment where I went to check in IMDb to make sure it was the same dog. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yes, yes. Because I was like, this guy, this dog, this is a totally different dog. Like, what a chameleon. Yeah, Maui, all of a sudden, he's begging and he's speaking. He's doing all this stuff that we, most of the time, you know, 90% of the time, he's just this chilled out lump of a dog. And yeah. now he's, now he's dancing. He's on his hind legs dancing around. He's playing Viola and Sebastian. Whoa. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Holy smokes. 
I, I, which Shakespeare is that? Twelfth Night. Yeah, it is. The twins. The twins from Twelfth Night. Yeah. He's doing them both. <laughs> oh wait, they always do both. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's true. I forgot that. Okay, well, he's as good as people then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but no better. No, he's just. He's just a man. Well, it, it, it reminds you that even to play the normal Murray, it's not like they just got some dumb dog. Right. You know, to play like whacked out of your mind and lackadaisical and catatonic mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. still no small feat. Yeah. He's acting. Yeah. He's who acting. Kn- who knows where the real Maui lives? That's true. He's very private. <laughs> <laughs> he mostly stays in. <laughs> oh, man. Doesn't talk to reporters. Oh, gosh. So as they dance, yeah, Murray starts dancing too. And Paul does his very best Jerry Lewis impression. <laughs> <laughs> he sees Murray dancing and says, hey, look, Murray's dancing too. Hello. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Sure. Yeah. So that's fun. And that takes us to commercial. And we come back and it's a little later. We're in the living room now. Paul's on the phone with mm-hmm. uh, Shelter. Murray has not come in. Mm-hmm. He says he would call the police, but they're all tied up with snipers. Right. Which feels like an allusion to something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm also not sure. I found a story about a sniper. <laughs> Uh oh. That happened in April of 93 in Los Angeles. Okay. So maybe that's the little that, that's where the idea came from maybe could be Briefly. i remember the do you remember the washington dc sniper from not too many years ago yeah uh malvo yeah do you think it was that yes i think yeah i think paul <laughs> knew the family and something just seemed a little <laughs> off about the guy <laughs> or billy i should say billy grunfest knew the family <laughs> billy yeah something's not right here make sure the writing credit is yeah, it's a ticking time bomb no, but I found a story in the LA Times that said a sniper fires at the MCA high rise in Universal City. Oh, geez. Yeah, he injured seven. A dispirited man with a high-powered rifle casually took up a position across the street from the MCA World Headquarters in Universal City Tuesday morning and alternately pumped bullets into the 15-story Black Tower and swigged from a bottle of liquor for about five minutes before surrendering to police. Whoa. He was a jilted uh, former employee. He was was fired in 86. Well, that's just terrible. Yeah, and hadn't been able to find a job since then. Everyone, Everyone survived. Well, good. With minimal injury. Okay, good. I like that that's the way the story ends. Yeah, otherwise I wouldn't have gone too deep into this thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, good. You decided to inject this no, no innocuous more. joke. <laughs> no more tragedy with, spelunking on the show. With with some murder. <laughs> I, I only go in when I, if it's a cave that has been uh, wired for electricity and there's lights on and it's, uh, <laughs> it's safe to go in. Smart. Yeah. Oh, so this reminded me of the Friends Marcel episode. Oh, yeah, a little bit. A little. And I thought I started thinking, so sweepstakes, third, fourth one of the day. Big day for you guys. But what are the episodes? Well, I, I can't think of any other episodes with missing animals on TV shows, but I feel like there have to be, you know? Yeah. Tell us about your favorite missing animal episodes. Yeah, sitcom, specifically. For sure. Because anyone can lose yes. an animal on a drama. Oh, so help me if you come to us with a missing animal drama. Yeah, episode. or like some lassie. BS. Oh, no, thank you. Keep it. Yeah. <laughs> Ira pipes in and he says, Murray's going to be okay. That dog is blessed. And I swear, I thought he was going to just be like living with you two and your wonderful marriage. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. Your condition now. <laughs> no. <laughs> Interesting. That dog, That's pretty that funny. Dog, yeah. That dog's as blessed as you are <laughs> when you look into each other's eyes and know what a good thing you got what that you found family. each other and how happy you are. 
Uh, no, instead they get into an argument about who found Murray. Did he ever tell you about the night that we found Murray? Excuse me, I found Murray. Who gave him his turkey sandwich? Who gave you my turkey sandwich? Who paid for your turkey sandwich? Well, whose idea was it to eat poultry? Guys. <laughs> right. Whose idea was poultry? <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that, I, well, Iris, I guess, never been too short on money. He's not Lisa. Uh, I guess not. I guess not. He's not Lisa. Yeah, I am. I'll, I meant to say it recently. It's a bummer that I understand that he's no longer on the show and that this, the character didn't work out. If you say Selby, well. so help me God. I'm going to bring up Selby. Okay. Because look, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's just it's strange that it's just I, I know that this is the way it happens. But we just, you know, for the for the first half of the show, the first half of the first season, he was a he was a main character. And then they wrap up with an episode all about their anniversary, you know, they're on their anniversary talking about their wedding and they're looking through their wedding album and they're taking the wedding photo. And it's just like, hey, that best friend character who we had all those stories with for the first half of the show. We're not even going to mention his name right now. Like he never even existed. Yeah, and I was fine with it, <laughs> which is weird. I was just like, yeah, he's gone. He's gone. I don't even think about him anymore. <laughs> I really don't. You are moving on. You I, have moved I on. I moved on, yeah. Who even knows if he was at the wedding? Yeah, I guess he would have been because it was only a year before. Yeah, yeah. He, it, that's that's another thing. Yes, a year, a year before. Oh, what? That, wouldn't that have been great if they're flipping through the photo album and that's how we find out that the sad news about their relationship with selby just like in the middle of this sitcom they're just like oh there's selby oh gosh you should call him no i'm not calling him i'm not doing that i'm not gonna do that right now please just bury the hatchet you're his best friend no he knows what he did and we're not going to go there and then we never talk about selby again <laughs> well anyway i'm glad they saved us that scene <laughs> <laughs> Not sure that would have made it to air. <laughs> Probably not. Also funny that they served Murray a turkey sandwich. Yes. <laughs> That's my kind of dog. I I, I love him so. Who's that but like, there's no food. pickles? <laughs> uh, Richard Kind describing that BLT. I was just going to say, let uh, me tell you, this is because, the best turkey because, sandwich because yeah. well, I'm a dog and I'm getting to eat it. They toast the, uh, well, it reminds me of what he's talking about, the sandwich. <laughs> On the love seat. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, it's they got toast. That burnt yeah, taste. that burnt taste. It's like ambrosia, but with cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so Fran comes out of, right after that little speech, Fran comes out of the bedroom with uh, yellow pages, and she's like in full PR mode. Mm -hmm. She needs a pen and paper to write down all the numbers. And um, the new Murray brings her <laughs> both. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is just such a meal for Maui. He's like, oh, boy, I finally get to have yeah. some fun. Yeah. I would have loved for his handlers to have come in beforehand and just been like, you know, our dog can do a lot more than he's being asked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like when Lutz got his own episode on 30 Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Lutz. <laughs> oh, so then they start talking about how many chicks, uh, you know, how, how Murray's got this special vibe. Right. And uh, how many chicks he's met walking Murray and then how Paul's met more. Yeah. And Jamie's like, excuse me? Yeah. And then Paul, you know, the door goes off. Uh -huh. And as Jamie goes to get the door, Paul says to Ira, why you got to say it like that? Why you got to make it dirty? I met my wife walking Murray. Right. That's what the that's what the man said. Well, that's not true. Not true at all. And we know it's not true because you your writer's room told us that wasn't true 
just mm-hmm. six months ago. I guess yeah. that quote from Paul was right. Which quote is that? You said in an interview, he was like, none of us could remember what happened even oh, a yeah. week, the week before. Yes, that is the primary quote that we should take from this, is that none of the writers remember what happened the week before. But they also said, and I think maybe Helen Hunt said this, where she was just like, it was nice having that episode of the flashback where they met so that we had that canonically right, as right, a touchstone. Right. But those two points are in direct opposition of each other. Fair. And the, the one that wins out is eh, every week to week is a crapshoot. But then just like a few seasons from matters. now, they do the uh, newsstand episode of, that harkens back to the newsstand they met at. Yes. In the flashback that episode. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We'll we'll get there eventually. Yeah, what a mystery. I feel like I'm in an X-Files episode. <laughs> I want to believe. Oh, so do I. Gosh, so I want to believe. Uh so Jamie so, opens the door. It's Warren. Gosh. Warren Mermelman. Welcome back. Welcome back, Stephen Wright. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy you're back. He opens the door. He gives Jamie the reels of film that Paul wanted. He looks down at Murray and immediately says, That's not Murray. Does he really? Yes. It's the bit. It's the best joke. He I looks missed down. that. He, he he just he's oh that's you know, he's so five funny. Feet away. He just does a quick spot check. He just sees the dog. Yeah. and says, that's not Murray. Uh, I <laughs> I love a visual gag, and it's by so that good. I don't mean a sight gag, but I mean a bit that has to do with with someone's vision. You love a visual gag. Uh, yes, <laughs> a visual gag. <laughs> <laughs> I really do, though. Like, one of my favorite Seinfeld bits is when, uh, I forget, like, George, something about his glasses? I can't remember if he has his glasses or he doesn't have his glasses. I think he doesn't have them. He's like, he's like, I'm blind without them. But no, but no, that's right. Jerry's like, you're blind without your glasses. And George says, I could squint. I was squinting. Yeah, he he went squinting his way from Wurtsboro down to the Tappan Zee Bridge. Yeah, exactly. He was spotting raccoons. (laughs) And he snaps his face. I was was spotting raccoons, baby. (laughs) But then there's that great moment. Yes, where he still doesn't have glasses and he's in the kitchen yep. and he walks all the way across the yeah. apartment. He goes, yeah, he goes, oh, look, a dime. <laughs> <laughs> he walks across the apartment. That and is picks a great a dime visional up. gag. It's so, that is the number one visional gag. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it's also great. They set up this very easy way to bring uh, Stephen Wright's character into any scene at any time just by saying. Yeah. Paul wanted this, Paul wanted, which oh, is great. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the door goes off again, and it's Lisa, and she's like Lisa apologetic, kind of, which isn't an apology, but it's a, like to make up for losing Murray. Or no, I felt so bad about eating mm-hmm. your brownie that I bought you a new one. Right. And then when he opens it, she's like, I guess I ate it. <laughs> I get, Yeah, I guess I got hungry. Yeah. And so Paul gets to say, you brought me a bag. Yeah. <laughs> so then they all, they split up into search parties. And we got right. the search party sequence. Fred and Warren go in Fran's car. I and Lisa go to the park. Paul mm-hmm. and Jamie go to the police station. Yep. Uh, we go to the police station and the cop is a dog lover. The cop is played by Mr. Jerry Adler. Bravo, sir. He is always great. Who we all know and love. Wonderful character actor shows up in a million things. John, what is he in? Well, uh, he's most famous, I think, for being Hesh on The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Everyone remembers the uh, shy. <laughs> 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 that was the first time I ever heard that slur before. Oops, oops, right? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. That's because yeah. that's a twist on. <laughs> that's like sort of nuanced too. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> AKA a money lender, <laughs> a Jewish money lender of the Sopranos, who also makes uh, money off the backs of Motown singers. <laughs> he was Toby's dad on the West Wing in one episode, but it was a big episode. Sure. Also, for those of you who enjoy Mad About You, you'll recognize him as not a cop in several episodes later. <laughs> As their live-in landlord slash super Mr. Wicker. That's right. Yeah. That is my number one. And I forgot that it was this show. Yeah. I forgot. I was like, oh, Are I, you I serious? forgot about Sopranos, frankly. I, yeah, I'd forgotten that he's Mr. Wicker. What were you going to say? I don't. I was just like, oh, he's. Uh, he he's a landlord just, on it, some sitcom? <laughs> I knew that he was a landlord, but in my head, I thought that all landlords looked like Selma Hayek. So it didn't make uh, any sense <laughs> to me. <laughs> Yeah, he wears a crop top in, in, the, in all the other episodes. Adler, though, you'll recognize. I don't think he's really this. I didn't have time to look at how, into this very deeply, okay? But. All right, his, you're not on trial. His father. <laughs> well, I'm about to name names. His father was Philip Adler, <laughs> who was a general manager of the group theater. Oh, okay. So he does have connections to the group. Sure. Because the group had that other Adler in it. Jacob? Was it Stella? It's a J- well, also Stella, yes. But was it Jacob? I'm not sure. Anyway, there's a lot of Adlers. Stella's the only Adler for me, frankly. <laughs> well, we'll have to look into it more deeply. Well, Stella and Keith Adler, with whom I once went to high school and haven't spoken to in about 17 years. Hey, Keith, if you're listening, hope you're doing well, buddy. Oh, it's nice. Yeah, uh, he's not. There's no way. <laughs> Well, guess what Jerry Adler did? What did Jerry I have a Adler few do? fun, weird little connections. All right. Everyone want to go with me on these? Great. Okay. Jerry Adler produced on Broadway a version of Moby Dick in 1962. The one that ran wow. for uh, 10 performances or whatever. Oh, how cool. Uh-huh. He also was a stage manager on the original My Fair Lady. Uh-huh. And gentlemen prefer blondes. That was his first gig in 1949. He was a stage manager on Broadway. Wow. He was a stage manager on the musical 17 in 1951, which I assume was a prequel to 13. <laughs> Jason Robert yep. Brown. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, it was, a, st- it was a reverse. It was a reverse prequel. <laughs> he started. They really got to come up with a less clunky thing to call those a reverse requel. prequels. <laughs> So he started as a uh, a stage manager in show business on Broadway. Very cool. Oh, and later directed the revival of My Fair Lady. Excellent. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Then, in a weird twist, uh, we got a couple more weird ones, a couple more weird fun ones. I Please, just give me a normal twist. Nope. <laughs> he worked with Cleavon Little. He directed him off-Broadway in 1969, the show called uh, The Ofe Watcher. I don't know what that is. Okay. But he also directed Robert... Guillaume, how do you say his name? Guillaume? Guillaume. Guillaume, yes, from Sports Night. Yeah. Directed by Thomas Schlemmy. Yeah, that's very true. directed this episode. He directed Perfect. Robert in a production of Charlie Was Here and Now He's Gone at the Eastside Playhouse in 1971 off-Broadway. Whoa. So that's a weird little bad about you, Circle. Love it. And then the weirdest for me is in 1980, mm-hmm. he directed a play at Playwrights Horizons called Survival Kitsch. Something tells me it was a masterpiece. Big, oh, you think so? Uh-huh. Because I know one of the authors. Really? And actors. Mr. Bill Whedon, who is a New York character actor who's very talented and very funny. And he uh, played a part on our sketch team at UCB a couple of years ago. Really? Yeah, he's a man about town. He's, he's uh, We just worked on this other thing together, this uh, Mr. Student Body President show on Go90. Though we didn't have any scenes together. Together. But uh, oh, cool. so that's a weird connection, too. So you should get in touch with this guy. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you want to talk to him about uh, working with Jacob? I want you to. 
Yes, maybe we will for uh, when Mr. Wicker comes back. Yeah. Or when J- when Jerry Adler comes back as Mr. Wicker. Great idea. Yeah. Great, great, great. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I absolutely want to. That It's oblique enough. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's not directly connected. So perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know a guy who knows somebody who was in one scene of a show? Well, we can't not talk to him. No, he's a recurring. <laughs> he is a recurring. Anyway, that's Jerry Adler in a nutshell, but uh, we'll have love more it. for you on him because I love Jerry Adler. Yeah, he's great. So they're at the police station, and we hear that a 1030 is in progress at 9th and Bleecker. Mm-hmm. A 1030 is a robbery. Right. And 9th and Bleecker is, I believe, an intersection that doesn't exist in New York City. Really? Think about it. I can't. I have terrible direction. If you tell me yes, then I'll, then yes. If well, not, 9th Avenue I, stops I'll... at 14th Street and then splits into Greenwich and uh, Hudson, I believe. Bleecker's right. below 14th Street. And it's not Bleecker and... and 9th Street because 9th becomes Christopher Street after 7th Avenue. Uh, you're right. So I don't know what this made-up intersection is. <laughs> I assume also maybe I'm wrong because it was written by Billy Grunfest, who's like, he knows the city better than I do, I'm sure. That's true. <laughs> you're really flip-flopping pretty quickly yeah, here. I'm John Kerry. You're <laughs> <laughs> You were just like, uh, that doesn't exist. No way. Here's exactly everything I know about it. Unless I'm wrong. Hey, that's Dennis Miller's uh, <laughs> side. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. That's true. <laughs> so they ask for help. Excuse me? Yeah. Uh, we would like to report. How long has it been gone? Since like this afternoon. Well, I can't do anything for 48 hours. You come in tomorrow, you fill out a missing persons report. Okay, well, see, there's a little snag. It's not a person. It's my dog. Oh, dog. <laughs> well, that we can take care of now. <laughs> <laughs> His demeanor completely changes. That's very fair. He's a dog funny. guy. Big time dog guy. Big dog guy. Too big of a dog guy. Yes, as we, we, as we find out. Yes. So then we uh, jump to traffic where mm-hmm. we got uh, Warren and Fran driving around mm-hmm. looking for Murray. And we find out that Warren has a gift. Don't worry, I have an amazing gift. What kind of gift? I'm a peripheral visionary. <laughs> Which would be? I can see into the future, but just way off to the side. (laughs) And that gift is a uh, Stephen Wright joke, I think. (laughs) They're very good at sneaking in Stephen Wright jokes. Yeah, the writing staff could also very easily be talk show hosts. Late night, where they're just like, now I understand. (laughs) You have a gift? I understand that you have a gift. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) And that's pretty much the scene. Uh, No, I I couldn't find my dog the other day. And uh, I've been been led to believe that you would be able to help me with that uh, because you you have a uh, I'm told you have some sort of a gift. Yes, that's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So then we jump back to the police station. Right. And uh, Paul and Jamie. Before before we jump back, please. I don't remember. Is that the first scene? You remember in a car? Yes. So the Tommy Schlamy difference is picking right up. Well, um, yeah, immediately Tommy Schlamy was like, we're getting out of the house. Loves a car. Loves it. You try to keep him from doing a shot in a car. Yeah, yeah. Tommy Schlamy loves. Didn't use one <laughs> in all the seasons of the West Wing, I can recall. But yeah, famously well, loves John, the car. John, you idiot. He <laughs> loves the car at this time in his life, but he did it to perfection while working on this show. And then he didn't need to use yeah. the car when he did West Wing. Well, yeah. Once they said, you know what? We're switching to single cab. And there's, <laughs> we can shit on location. He said, nah, I don't need to anymore. No more cars. Yeah. <laughs> I got it out of my system. I want to talk to 
Michael Lang about this because I don't know if you remember that Michael Lang said that there were different camp like that half hour sitcom directors and hour long drama directors. There were two different fields and two different yes. like, clubs. Yes, almost. they typically are. I believe. Yeah. And yes, so the fact he's that, a crossover. I mean, I don't want to call my friend Michael Lang a liar, but here we are. So I got to talk to him about it. <laughs> yeah. Let's never try talking to Thomas Schlamy about it. <laughs> too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> a little too on the nose for our show. <laughs> I'll catch Michael Lang in his lie. Where I'll just be like, yeah. so, um, you know, what's your relationship like with Tommy Schlamy? And he'll say, oh, I don't, I don't know him. He's a, uh, no, I'll say, uh, he'll say, yeah, I, I like him. I like Tommy Schlamy. I've worked with him a few times. Like, oh, well, um, did Fun he ever fact. mention uh, yeah. uh, that uh, he used to do some, uh, some half hours? Like, no, yeah, I didn't really. Oh, well, you told us, sir, that they were two different fields. So how do you, uh, how do you explain that? And then he won't be my friend anymore. I wouldn't be. <laughs> You're not now. <laughs> You're hanging on by a thread. You're out. <laughs> so we go back to the police station after the role play. And uh, Paul and Jamie and the cop are filling out paperwork. Mm -hmm. And the cop's radio goes off. There's an armed robbery in progress. Yeah, I had a dog, too. So you know. Oh, armed know. robbery in progress. All units respond. Sorry for the interruption. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> Sorry very, for very the inconvenience. <laughs> yeah, for those who can't see, he turns the radio off. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they're like, we learn now that this is the right cop to talk to. Or the Absolutely. wrong cop. Because he's he had a dog who was his partner. Yeah, dog was a partner. Pete. Took a bullet for him. Yeah. Took a bullet. The mayor came to the funeral. Aww. Like Turner and Hooch. Just the second sweet. half of Turner and Hooch. <laughs> I saw that in the theater and never again. Wow. And I think I'm okay with that. I saw it a thousand times on VHS. Oh, yeah? And never in the theater. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, so basically the cops like just nonstop reminiscing about Pete and Paul's trying to yes. interject facts about Marie, and uh, it's difficult. Yeah, and Jerry Adler doesn't care at all. Yeah. <laughs> so we go to the park for the first time. Right. And Ira... <laughs> is... Gosh, this is so funny. Ira's <laughs> calling... Murray, Murray, and he's near the bushes, and eventually a guy shouts back, yeah. Yeah, we get an off-camera voice. So he has to change it to Murray the dog? Murray the dog, he yells a uh, lot. Do you think that guy was, do you think this was, what do you think that guy was doing? Oh, he was having a good time. Is that what you think, too? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so, too. Especially after that mineshaft joke. <laughs> I do too. I think there was some cruising. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Which is very, <laughs> very funny on a sitcom. <laughs> Even though they weren't in Central Park, it's hard to tell what no. park they were in. I would have assumed Greenwich, but that's very easy to search. So it must have been another smaller one. I'd put them in Central Park, but that doesn't make sense. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lisa walked Murray 59 blocks <laughs> in a half an hour. Yeah. Well, she was gone for two and a half hours. But he signed off on it. Oh, you're going to Central Park? Okay. 30 minutes. We'll be back. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So Lisa enters and, uh, you know, she's trying to do that thing where it's like, if you were a dog, where would you go? Right. You know, they get into it a little and... Ira, give me a break. What? You don't like me anymore? It was a year and a half ago. I was drunk. I was at my sister's wedding. And frankly, I needed to punish myself. Oh, nice. So you use me just like you used Murray. I'm going to go find Murray. They hooked uh, you were right, Russ. I was right. You were it right. It doesn't happen often, but I was right. Also very weird that they set that up several episodes ago and then explained it later, yet couldn't yeah. remember how Paul met Jamie. 
<laughs> yeah, the uh, the details that they choose to follow up on are uh, very strange. Very strange choices. Yeah. Oh, and she really she hurts Ira here. She does because that's a pretty is, intense tear she goes on. She kind of does. It's pretty mean. She doesn't know her own strength. I think. I think so too. And also, Ira is a strange combination of uh, sleazebag and also uh, sympathetic. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, which is maybe. I don't know. It humanizes him, but it also makes him kind of more of a monster. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Where you're just like, you know, if he's going to be like, if he's going to talk about bouncing your wife and then <laughs> you're going to say like, yeah, she had sex with you for her own personal gains. And he's like, hey, I'm a person here. Spackled? It's like, hey, guy, a little perspective. <laughs> yes, I agree. So Ira wanders off annoyed looking for Murray. Yes. So then we go back to the police precinct mm-hmm. and now the cops come out from behind the desk. And they're seated on a bench, and he's going through his photo album with the dog. <laughs> and it's which you always keep at the police station. Yes, right. And he says he was such a good cop because he was a real family man, right? Mm-hmm. Or like dog. Mm-hmm. Yes. And his the dog's daughter <laughs> was in a dinner theater production of Annie. That's really silly. <laughs> and what's great, Jamie is so impressed. Well, because first he's like he was an Annie, and Jamie's like, wow. And Paul's like Broadway. He's like dinner theater. And Jamie's like, still though. Still. She's really impressed by dog performers, Jamie Buckman. For sure. Oh, Absolutely. she's well, there's lots, there's lots to be impressed about. She's gonna love Animal Planet in a, a <laughs> few years, whenever whenever that comes to cable. But Paul's just trying to get them to focus. It's very hard. Mm-hmm. You know, he hands the cop a picture of Murray. Right. And the <laughs> he has this great beat where he just he stares at the photo, he stares at the dog that the Buckmans brought in. <laughs> They're identical. Right. And I feel like there's a beat of like, is this guy out of his mind? (laughs) Yeah. Is it a sweet wife who's married to a lunatic or like a slow, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, just very politely goes, I think I found him. I think I found your dog. Uh, So we go back to the car. It's fun to jump around like this. Yeah. We don't get three locations happening at the same time. At most, I feel like we jump between like two, like Mark and Franz and uh, the Buckman's. And I'm a little sick of that. Yeah. It's always apartments. I love getting out of the house. (laughs) It's good to stretch your legs. Yeah. <laughs> so Fran, we're back in the car. Fran's venting about Mark now. And uh, Warren says he saw it coming. One day I'm happily married and then the next, poof. I saw it coming. <laughs> Why didn't you say anything? Because I wasn't sure. I thought either Mark would leave you or Irving Berlin would die. <laughs> Irving Berlin did die. Really? Keep driving, I'm hot. Irving Berlin did die, huh? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you bother fact driving? I'm hot. Fact checking this, Paris. What are you gonna say? Did he not die? Had he not died? He's still alive. No. (laughs) No. You know what's amazing? Actually, I'm looking at his obituary now in the Times. Mm -hmm. Dateline. Go ahead. September 23, 1989. That's when he died. When is this show set exactly? When people die, they stay die. They they stay dead. So if uh, if he says yeah, if he didn't know that Irving Berlin died in 1989, when it's 1993, he can still say it, and it can still be true. That's fair. But he <laughs> died at 101 in 1989. Yes, I did know that he died at a very old age. Oh, really? Yes, that's I did a, know it, that. that's amazing. Yeah, I had no idea. You thought that it was going to be like oh, in 19 like 93, 70, he died or something. Oh no, or, what? Okay, I didn't. I was taking um. I was putting too many restrictions, I guess. Um, he died. Okay. You're right. You were right. I was wrong. Oh, uh, it feels good every time. I did look up 
I was like, I wonder who did die during their hiatus in case anyone. Okay. They could have substituted someone in. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The line could have gone. I thought Mark would leave you or Conway Twitty. <laughs> <laughs> the country singer would die. Uh huh. Or I thought Mark would leave you or Pat Nixon would die. Aw, poor Pat Nixon. Yeah. But they went with Irving. Because who doesn't want to go with an Irving? He's the, it's the funniest sure. thing. Yeah. It's the funniest of the bunch, for sure. So we go back to the park. And Lisa is just yelling <laughs> for Ira, trying to find Ira, is bellowing this, at the top of her lungs. This pattern of yelling is so familiar, but I couldn't place it exactly. Does one of the characters on Seinfeld yell in this same way in the parking garage? Where it's like, Kramer, Kramer, Kramer! I did not catch that what you just did sounded like on the show archer when archer is trying to get lana's attention and he just goes you know he says lana lana i lana! did not and she says what but mm-hmm. i don't think that's what you i did doing. not place or... that what you did is like on friends when joey's trying to get chandler's attention uh-huh <laughs> and joey's like chandler 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 right and then what does chandler do i'm joking i know you are oh <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I didn't know what Chandler did because then I was just trying to End remember it? exactly how Antonio from Wings calls to Roy. He's trying to get Roy and he's just like, hey, Roy, Roy, Roy. Wait, is he looking for Roy, though? He's looking for Roy. Oh, OK. <laughs> I can't think of any other instances of that happening, though. Yeah, no, that's all of them, I think. Those are the big ones. Yeah. <laughs> Well, except for the, do you ever end up watching uh, the full season of the Hat Squad? Yeah, when yeah, with the middle brother can't find his chooch. hat. Yeah. Hey, chooch. Hat. hat. <laughs> Suits. Was one of them named Suits? I was saying chooch. Remember, he oh, kept yeah, on calling he everybody chooch. chooch. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so now we go back to the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it's time to feed fake Murray. Right. And uh, Paul, you know, Jamie's taking charge here and taking care of the dog. And Paul's feeling, Paul's taking it very personally. Yes. Like everything they do for the new Murray is like a slight to the old Murray. Right. And he's a little upset that, you know, Jamie's like, well, this dog is smarter. Mm -hmm. So Paul uses himself as an example to make a comparison. Yeah. He starts to, uh, he starts to bring about the concept of exactly like me, but better. I'm just saying, if, if I vanished one day and then suddenly some guy showed up who was exactly like me, but better, I mean, would you keep him? How is he better? <laughs> I'm talking hypothetically. Does he like to go shopping with me? I don't know. I just want to understand. Okay, he's he's exactly like me, but he uh, he doesn't leave wet towels on the bed. What about socks? Socks, I'm not so sure. <laughs> what about his mother? Pleasant, no phone. I'll take him. Do you think the socks he's leaving on the bed are wet? Also? Uh, no, I do not. Okay, I think you're right, because why would they be? Right. And also the mother is fun, because I feel like... Pleasant, no phone. Yeah, like he, he walks into that yeah. on purpose. Yes, I think he's, he's he's able to have that fun. Yeah. Uh, what towels on the bed I get in a hotel, but not in real life? Uh, right. Though yes. maybe if I lived in an apartment that big, it would be hard to tell the difference between a luxury hotel suite and just my normal home. <laughs> I'll bet. I'm yeah. sure you're right. So then Paul really steps in it when he tries to turn the tables and be like, you know, oh, like uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't change horses if, you know, someone just like you but better showed up. Mm-hmm. Let's take it from your point of view. How would you like it if, if I met a woman, you know, I found some woman who was exactly like you but better? How's she better? <laughs> what? <laughs> How's who better? No, I'm, I'm interested. 
she's not, she's not better. She's not. No, I mean, she's, I said she's better. She's not better. She's different. You know, she's whatever. She's like, you know, like you, but she's, I don't know, whatever, taller. Can I take that nap now? <laughs> A little taller. That's where he found, that, that felt like the safe one. Yeah. Which is smart. That is some um, expert in the moment damage control. But it also fits, <laughs> which is her job. It also felt a uh, little genuine. <laughs> you think you would like a taller woman? Oh, I, I don't. Uh, I think you're probably right. A little. There was something genuine about it. I don't know. What I have now. First of all, did you know that Paul Reiser's wife is named Paula? I did not. That's so funny. Yes, they are Paul and Paula Reiser. Huh. This is not true, but uh, like in reality, I've seen her. She does not look like this, but I would love for Paula Riser to look exactly like Helen Hunt, but be a little taller. That would be very funny. I think that'd be very silly. Yeah. <laughs> so Paul does some expert work here. Mm-hmm. So first he buys himself a little time, I think, with the taller. Yep. And then he explains, yep. he finds his footing and is like, uh, you know, he loves Murray because he has this Murrayness. Yes. And the specifics of what people do, you know, doesn't come into why he loves them. Yes. And uh, he tells Jamie that she has the same Murrayness. Right. I have a Murrayness? <laughs> you do. You really do. You're very close to the edge there. But I pulled it you off. You did. You really did. That's very sweet. The, but I pulled it off is uh, so natural that it feels improvised almost. Charringly natural. It's very natural. It also, it doesn't quite feel finished and polished. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not a perfect metaphor. Right. The metaphors that we come up with on this show are generally pretty perfect. So it's tough to tell that we're just speaking spontaneously off the top of our heads. He, in this, it's a little bit rockier. And so it uh, it feels like yeah like maybe, a cliff yes <laughs> yes like a cliff. it feels like one is walking off a cliff yes right like a bulldozer headed towards the edge of a cliff <laughs> and you just can't stop it yeah it falls into the ocean and splash <laughs> oh gosh like a baby softly <laughs> <laughs> if only like it a was baby softly. soft that's what it like is like a baby soft like a baby oh, soft. Gosh. So, Paul, let's see. Where are we? Oh, they get a call from the cops. The phone goes off. Right. And uh, another couple brought in a similar looking dog, but dumber, <laughs> which gets them yes, excited. Gets her very excited. He's right here. I'll try. Simon. <laughs> it's Simon. Okay. Ours is Murray. No response at all. That's him. <laughs> no response at all. That's great. The doorbell rings and Lisa is there. Or the door goes off, rather. I apologize. That's okay. Door goes off. What do you, uh, yeah, I didn't know what you meant. Okay, cool. Yeah. Door goes <laughs> off. Lisa's there. Lisa also has a Murrayness. Has says, what? A Murrayness? A Murrayness. Oh, a Murrayness. Yes. <laughs> yes. Jamie says that Lisa has a Murrayness. And Paul says, if you think that, you don't understand Murrayness. <laughs> so she comes in, and now she's lost Ira. Mm-hmm. She just keeps losing things. She's moved on. And she, ha- yeah, she's like, you guys have anything to eat? Yep. And she doesn't even apologize once for any of this. No. And, you know, Paul no, Paul starts to uh, Paul starts to get a little upset, starts venting. A little bit. Starts yeah, lecturing her a little. He's laying into her. He's expressing his feelings. Good for you, Paul. That's really nice. I've spent the whole day looking for your dumb dog, and this is what I get? You lost my dumb dog. Honey, give her a break. I'm giving her a break. I'm not mentioning the VCR she broke. I'm not mentioning the $600 you owe us or the, or the scratched-up Danny K album. And I appreciate it. You're not allowed to appreciate it. Paul. Sweet, would you stop protecting us? She's my family, too. And if I want to yell at her, I can yell at her. Really? Yes, if you would just use your brain once in a while, you know, you might like it. You think of me as family? What? Yes. Of course I think of you as family. That's so sweet. What? 
Don't, I'm, I'm yelling at you here. If you get all mushy, then it defeats the whole purpose of the... No, don't, don't, don't do that now. No, no, don't, don't. What a twist, because I thought that the use your brain, you might like it was pretty mean. Yeah. Though I get that she lost his dog. Right. But... I was so uh, stymied by that that I did not see the hugs coming. It was very sweet that yeah. that's the way that that ended. Yeah, it's a, it's a great way for it to come out like that. Right. Like it's she never had full acceptance. The way it happened, but it, yeah. She never um, felt a part of the family fully, I guess, until that moment. And we didn't I know, know that. that it's, I know that it's not going to happen this way, but did you watch The American Office? Yeah. I you watched the English the... version of The American Office. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Well, good. You know how in season You know how in season one Michael Scott is uh is really negative and the vibe changes in the beginning of season two with like the Dundee Awards? Oh sure, and, sure, sure. No, you know, but at, I, I know what you mean. Parson wrecked that too. Yeah, in the first season he was just plain old like he was an intolerable, insufferable boss. Yeah, I get it. And it was just like without any real heart. And in the second season, they showed why, in spite of him being, you know, a galoot and otherwise problematic, they showed why and that his coworkers love him. A galoot. And it's and it changed the uh, the dynamic of the show. And that may or may not be what happens with Lisa here, where it's just like Paul sees her as family. And now we can go forward with Paul seeing her as family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good compa- it may not happen that way. Yeah, right. We're going to find out. Though. True. I liked Lisa eating not Kashi out of the dog bowl. Yeah, that was... There's a boat. Yeah, when Paul sees that she's putting human food into the dog bowl to eat, he's so like thrown off by it. It's very funny. Yes, yes. And he's like, and the what? box. He has <laughs> a box of cereal. What's it say? Not Kashi. It sa- no, it, well, it says Kashi. It does, right? I'm not sure. It looks almost yeah, exactly like, like a Kashi box. It does. It's got like a couple of lines going through it, but Kashi is still so visible that either one, they didn't need to avoid copyright by blocking out any of the letters of Kashi, or two, they just grabbed a pen and were just like, quick, draw a couple of lines through this word. <laughs> That's That'll true. be enough. We got to avoid the censors somehow. That's I don't know. True. Cross your fingers. Nobody has a big black pen or any gaff tape. So uh, this will have to do. Yeah, that was a weird one. <laughs> also, I watched this twice today. I first thought he said scratched up Baby K albums. Danny K. And I thought Baby K was a rap artist. <laughs> And I was like, whoa, what a weird choice. Because we yeah. he never plays that kind of music. You know, he, yeah. But yes, no, he doesn't. upon further analysis, Danny K. Danny K. For those of you who watched the episode and also thought, <laughs> heard baby. <laughs> also, breaking a VCR in that house feels like a cardinal sin. It would be a bad thing to do. Yeah, you don't want to break your, Paul's VCR stereo. What is your favorite baby K song? <laughs> Uh, counting your blessings that's a good one or, or whatever it's called or a uh, snow that's another good one sure mine it's lighting up the lamps <laughs> uh, yeah the lamps were a gang right yeah yes yeah. and lighting them up meant to shoot them <laughs> Light up the lamps. Uh, yeah, and a blessing's a kill. <laughs> Count your blessings instead of sheep. And you'll fall asleep counting your blessings. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wonderful. Very easy. Hey, John, doorbell goes off. Yeah, boom. We get the Bizarro Buckmans. We sure do. Oh, we miss you, buddy boy. We're the Buckmans. We're the Beckners. 
I'm Paul. Saul. Janie. Jamie. <laughs> Saul and Janie Beckner. Now, first of all, the fact that I know they said it earlier when they hung up the phone on the with the police station, they were like, they're coming over. It's like, no, they are not. What kind of police station would do that? Oh, they've got uh, we've found your dog. We know where you are. We're going to send the other people from the police station to your home rather than, hey, how about you come uh, here and exchange dogs here? I rather guess, than giving out but it's not like it was a personal information. <laughs> They got to make the drop. Right. I see what you're saying. They wouldn't give them the address, but yeah. It seemed, for me, when they showed up at the door, it felt strange. Int- oh, wow. Interesting. Very interesting. But yes. There they were, Saul and Jane Beckner. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, yes, and they brought Murray, and uh, Murray, when, spo- when when ordered to sit by uh, Saul, does. Yes. Apparently, it's Saul, all about the tone. Yes, Saul knows how to speak to Murray. Yeah. So they do a little small talk, you know, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And we get the full-on yep. Bizarro game played. <laughs> so so what, do you, what do you guys do? Well, I teach physics at Columbia. Mm-hmm. Neurosurgeon. <laughs> so you both have little jobs. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's a beautiful jacket. Oh, thanks. Saul picked it out for me. He loves to shop. Oh, really? Hey, here's our Simon. Oh, hey, Simon. So if you were anything like us, you guys must have been jumping out of your skin, huh? Well, I have to admit, at first we were a bit dysphoric. Oh. But uh, you know who really held us together was Janie's sister. The woman is a rock. <laughs> kind of. Of course, they're all, yeah, of course, they're all dressed the same. Kind of. Same color yeah. palette. They look similar. But the jobs didn't. Right. I didn't get the jobs. They were a little because everything else was so on the nose. Well, just that they're smart. So that they're a little that they're a little better. Well, how are they better though? They're in not. I guess because they're in they're well, in uh, right brain fields and yeah, whatever the analytic you know, side is. Yes, teaching you know teaching physics at Columbia is a pretty sweet smart gig. So is a documentarian. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'd You're like right. to see you I, handle look, the Copytron much, account. No, I was going to say, I'd much rather sit down and talk to Ken Burns than some person who teaches physics at uh, Columbia. Same. Yeah. I guess I feel about this couple the way Paul and Jamie do, because exactly. they're very Absolutely. cordial, and the second they leave, they are both so repulsed. <laughs> also, Jamie, Get I'm surprised out of my house. Jamie didn't know the word dysphoric. Yeah, that's a pretty obvious is the wrong word. Here I am saying, I can't believe she didn't know the word dysphoric. I'll use the word obvious and misuse it in the next sentence. <laughs> it's surprising just because she has such a like deep knowledge, it seems like, of English. Yeah. And she was really bought that. What I love about it, though, is that when they leave and she's like dysphoric, she seems like bothered by it. Right. Yes. She doesn't like she didn't like that somebody used that word. Yes. Her. A word that she didn't know. Just in regular old conversation. Yeah. And then we go to the tag. Mm-hmm. They're in bed that night with their, their dog again. Yep. Murray's just sort of sitting at the end of the bed, sitting right up. And uh, Jamie doesn't want Murray in the bed. Uh, yes. And, she... and Paul convinces her otherwise. Yeah. Just for the night. Yeah. And she's like, uh, Murray, get off the bed. And he doesn't budge. And then Paul goes, good boy. <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah, it's a real dog episode. It's a, it's dog heavy. That's the kind of thing you can do in season two, baby. Yeah. <laughs> All dogs go to season two. Uh. <laughs> Love it. John, we did it. We broke off season two, episode one. Yeah, let the rat race begin. Put it in the books, baby. Love it. <laughs> I'm excited to see where we go from here. Uh, yeah, episode two, I think. Uh, well, who knows? 
Who can know? I have a hunch. We're going to find out. Okay, good. Oh, hey, Rise Guys and Rise Gals, tweet at us. Let us know. Do you think that uh, Season 2, Episode 2 will follow Season 2, Episode (laughs) 1? If not, what do you think will be next? Uh, Also, if anyone has any leads on uh, some Vince Coleman uh, memorabilia, (laughs) I'd love to get something for Russ. I could spend up to $8, and I don't think that'll be a problem. Uh, (laughs) You can get some pretty great fireworks for $8. Yeah. Maybe an exploding cigar. <laughs> oh, that will do it for us. My goodness. What do I have coming up? I have a show coming up called The Confessional. Ooh. It is at the People's Improv Theater mm. in Manhattan mm. at the pit. It is the first Sunday in August. I cannot recall the date right now, but that's Sunday night. I believe it's the 6th at 9.30 p.m. And uh, I'll be doing a character monologue that has not yet been written. Are you writing it? Yes. Oh, baby. Yeah. And uh, we get to, uh, if you come, you'll get to decide whether or not my character deserves absolution or if he will be condemned to hell for his sins at the end of the show. It should be a lot of fun. Interesting. Yeah, it should be fun. That's fun. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be silly. And also, I perform every Tuesday night at the Magnet Theater with Squash. And uh, you can tweet at me, at Russ Fader. You could tweet at me, at Johnny Marbles. I got nothing to plug right now. Great. One day, one day. I know it. Someday my prince will come. It will. And when it does, it'll be like, hey, you can check me out on television. Yeah, I got one tight little plug every several months. (laughs) Which is great. Oh, yeah, I love it. (laughs) I love it. It's it's my favorite thing. Yeah. We have theme music, and it is by John D. Ivy. Great. He's great. Thank you, John. We have a logo. It is designed by Nathan Diffie. He's at Nathan D-I-F-F-E-E, and he is wonderful. Thanks to both of them. We have a perfectly mixed and leveled track, I guess. Hard to describe because I don't know how to describe a well-mixed audio track. I guess that we have a well-mixed audio track. Thanks to Vuk Ivanovich. Thank you so much, Vuk. Anything else you want to talk about, John? Uh, Not right now. Great. Rise, guys. Rise, gals. Thank you so much for listening. Say hello to us at Mad About You Pod. Oh, oh yeah. On Facebook. We got to do that more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, guys, we love the reviews on uh, iTunes. Please, if you haven't yet, uh, if you if you have some time to uh, rate and review us, uh, helps us. I don't know, get more people to listen. It does and enjoy. Yeah, it helps raise visibility. Yeah. and Apple and iTunes will put more attention on the podcast, and that will help it grow. And uh, that would be wonderful. Yeah, or wherever you listen to it, it helps everywhere. Helps Spread everywhere. the word. Tell your friends. We'll be tell your infinitely enemies. grateful. Yeah, tell your enemies. It'd be great. <laughs> I love a good enemy. Oh, I think I made a few. So, folks. <laughs> yeah, at least you did it your way. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. I am Russ Fader. I'm John Marbley. And, and this, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying. saying. <laughs>